Hi, everyone. My name is Melanie Pitsy. I'm the CEO of the GPA. And I'm Tiffany Appleby, SVP of Alliances and Marketing at Amidas. And you're listening to the Humans of Payroll podcast. We love the payroll industry and the talented people within it. In each episode, we'll introduce you to another fantastic payroll person who will share their expertise and personal experiences. So, hey, Tiffany, shall we get going? Let's get going. Hi, Tiffany. How are you? Hi, Mel. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm, I'm a bit upset that it feels like it's coming towards the end of the summer, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, you should come to Dallas. It'll still be summer here for another month or two. I know you're having you're having super hot weather, so I won't moan. I won't moan. But we do have a fellow Brit with us today, and as she all know, that we do like moaning about the weather in Britain. Um, we have <laughs> Katie Linstead joining us today, so welcome, Katie. Would you like to tell everyone all about you and who you are, and and you know what you do? Hello. Yes. Um, so I am hailing from London. Um, my job title is Head of Market Engagement and Partnerships for Data Plan Payroll. Uh, we're part of the larger Iris software group. Um, so uh, the business as a whole, for data plan, we're looking at payroll and pensions for UK and Irish payrolls primarily. Um, and then the rest of the group are also engaging global payroll services and a range of other kind of professional services for, uh, for businesses. And so, Katie, I, this may be the most stupidest question that you may get asked for a while. But you've got the Trunk Master Services for Hospitality. Can you explain a little bit more, please? <laughs> yes. Um, so that is actually, that's been my biggest project over the last year. Um, so I've, I've been at Dataplan just over a year now. Um, and the first couple of months uh, was really a kind of research process to figure out everything that was going on within the business and look at um, the really strong sectors that data plan have, um, which are mainly kind of education payrolls, corporates, and um, there were some really kind of growing sectors around healthcare and hospitality. And so Trunk Masters is part of the hospitality services that we offer. Um, so Trunk Master Services, um, it's this niche piece of legislation in the UK where um, you can help hospitality businesses to make savings on their staff costs. Um, it's a way of uh, allocating out the tips that customers give to staff when they are in a restaurant or a bar or a pub or a club or anything like that. Um, so the tips and the service charges that are given when the business um, kind of pulls it all together and gives it back out to staff, they can pay it through the payroll as normal, or there are there is a, a way of dividing it out through a trunk master, which sounds like a really great superhero. You know? um, uh, but it, it, it is kind of a heroic thing because it saves the business money if they do it through a trunk master. So um, it's partly to guarantee fairness and ethics around the distribution of the monies to the staff members, but it also saves the employees lots of money and it saves the businesses lots of money. So super important for hospitality at the moment because post-COVID and with the energy crisis here in the UK, they're really, really struggling. I love the idea of a superhero now, Trump master. <laughs> now I have visualized in my head someone in a mask and a cape with a trunk, like handing <laughs> money out to staff. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it's um, not quite as glamorous as that, but we have some really <laughs> interesting clients and 
I've always loved working in hospitality when I was younger. So I worked across many different businesses when I was working in payroll and in hospitality to um, to save for studying. So it feels really nice to be able to help support them, um, but also use some of that knowledge uh, combined with my payroll history. Yeah, it gives you, a, you have an appre- a much different appreciation, I think. I remember um, my first job was a hostess in a restaurant. And I remember getting the little envelope with my like tip share handed yeah. to me, like with $10.85 or something like that. So yes. it's amazing now that like all of that can happen in such an automated, easy fashion for the managers of the restaurants. Because I remember our manager would sit in the back office and like count out and make the change for everyone. Yes. Yes, yes. I remember that exactly. My first job was in um a restaurant, a uh, like a restaurant just around the corner from my house, and we got our tips every couple of months because it was just such a big job. Oh, wow. and I didn't want to do it. Um, and then I went to work as a barista when I was at college, and um, it was different there. You got your tips like at the end of every day, um, and you'd have little pots. If you didn't work to the end of the shift, people would put your, your tips in, and you know everyone just trusted each other to do that. Um, you know, but now people don't really leave tips as in cash. You know, post-COVID, 80% of all tips payments are done, or all payments are done by card. So um, that isn't really an option anymore. And as soon as the payment is made by card, then businesses in the UK have an obligation to pay it out through payroll. And they can either pay it straight through payroll. And it does, you know, it attracts a large employer cost um, in terms of national insurance. Or, um, you know, or they can use a trunk master to help them. And, you know, one of the businesses that we've helped, they saved £180,000 a year in just by using the trunk master services. So it feels it feels nice because it's it's a bit different. You know, you've still got the same kind of timings as payroll, I guess, which is something I'm just used to after 20 years. But um, there's just this different edge to it of being able to help people. And that's really nice. <laughs> Do you know what? I, 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 oh, sorry, Tiffany. I was going to say, whenever I pay tip on card, I always go to, "Do you get this?" Exactly <laughs> like, right. Are you sure oh. you're going to get it? Yeah, you're never sure. I always I mean, ask valets that, even valeting. So here, I don't know how it is there, but if we valet park our car, you can do that by card. And every time I'm like, I have tipped you. Please don't, please be nice to my car. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, valet parking isn't a big thing in the UK, but actually I did take on a client recently who's um, an MOT, like a, a car test centre, um, because they've just turned on the option to take tips. Um, they didn't think they would get very much, but they made, you know, a few thousand pounds in the first month. Wow. So they looked us up and, you know, we got everything set up for them. And so they're our only non-hospitality client, but I'm definitely going to explore um, a few more options there. I mean, there are some structures around it. That means it doesn't work for everyone who gets a tip. Like a hairdresser gets a direct tip, so it doesn't work. It's only where tips are pulled and then distributed out. But it's just this really niche piece of payroll knowledge that um, our head of compliance and legislation, uh, Paul Chappell, he uh, researched it with our previous CEO um, and, you know, they kind of got to this point where they were very happy to operate it. Um, and it started out with a few clients, um, maybe I think April last year, they, there were like two clients and we now have 140 because it's just wow. it's just the, one of the few levers that hospitality have 
in, I guess, you know, in any of the costs they have for businesses. And, and things are so difficult now. You know, they're saying in the UK press that um, I think it was seven in 10 restaurants, sorry, seven in 10 pubs will be closing down because of the increase of uh, electricity bills and gas bills and That's all a bit depressing. Wow. So we, we kind of try and keep it all fun and light on our podcast. But the reality is, you know, things are, are tight. Yeah. And if yeah. you can help with tips and saving money, you know there's all these little ways but yeah. what i love i love stories like you know the mot guys or the mechanics you know just thinking oh let's see should we try tips and then they get make a couple of thousand on tips i mean what a brilliant yeah brilliant, really nice. it, really? it's good because like for a lot of businesses they can't really afford to give pay rises when their energy bills are tripling and things like that so it's really the only way they have to increase employees pay or incentivize them to you know, to give good service, to be loyal to the business, you know, for retention, because, you know, recruitment and retention is a huge problem in the UK across all industries, but hospitality is is a really big one. Actually, the payroll industry is really struggling with recruitment and retention as well. Um, But I think that's mostly a good thing. It's because everyone has become more competitive. Yeah. So speaking of that, um, how did you find, so it's so interesting. I love hearing about um, our guest backgrounds, right? And you talked about, you know, your time that you spent in hospitality. So how did you find yourself in the payroll world? So I had started university when I was 18 and then realized I didn't know what I was doing. So I quit and I went traveling. (laughs) And um, when I came back from traveling, I um, moved to Sheffield with my partner at the time and I just started temping and I was temping for a company that was called Rebus HR who I think eventually turned into Northgate and now is maybe something else again I can't remember what Northgate turned into but um, it was um, an HR and payroll company who had a huge contract with the Department for Working Pensions which is like a government office here Um, So I started working there, working on the Department for Work and Pensions payroll, um, primarily just on new starters and sickness, because the payroll was so huge, you'd get allocated a letter, and that letter was what you worked on. So I had the letter M. So everyone with the surname M, I processed sickness and I processed new starter contracts. Um, And and actually, it it was one of those... Uh, situations where because the payroll was such a huge integral part of this government body they um, they stupid us out of rebus so we became part of the department for work and pension so I became a civil servant um, and it was surprisingly easy to move up in the civil service I, I within a year I kind of became a team leader and I started working other aspects of HR and payroll um, and when I left Sheffield and moved back to, down to London two years later, I had enough experience to apply for a full payroll role, um, which I did working for the restaurant group, which is really high volume hospitality payrolls. So they have some huge brands across the UK. At the time, it was brands like Garth Uncles and Frankie and Benny's and Bella Italia, these big kind of um, chain restaurants. It was very fast-paced, high-volume payroll, but I wouldn't say it was very complicated. Um, you know, it's a lot of kind of timesheets, in and out, boom, bam, get it done. Um, <laughs> so I guess I got a little bit, I felt like I wasn't learning very much. And so the recruitment company that I'd used to get that job called me maybe six months later and said, 
we have someone that's interested in your CV. I guess maybe it hadn't been taken out of rotation or something, but um, it was a small payroll bureau who was looking for a payroll administrator. And I didn't have any experience in client payroll at that point, um, but I was really interested to, to you know, learn the, that skill. And I thought it'd be a really great opportunity to learn more. So I, I moved to bureau payroll, I guess two, maybe two and a half years into my payroll career which is very different to in-house payroll. Um, yeah, I'm sure it's really interesting, I'm sure, to see it from both sides, right? And moving yeah. over to the client payroll. What's something you were surprised by when you changed um, I guess I was surprised by the different levels of types of people or different types of people you end up engaging with. Um, I think in my head, I'd thought, oh, well, everyone that you speak to as a client is going to have this really high level of knowledge that I thought was going to be really intimidating. But actually, it was very, it's very different most of the time because it was a bureau dealing with smaller businesses. A lot of the time it was people that didn't have really any knowledge about payroll um, and you had to really use a communication skill set to be able to talk to them. And I think maybe that's how I got the job in the first place and got ahead so quickly was because I was really good at changing how I spoke to people to to you know to suit their levels of knowledge um or even just their tone sometimes I was really good with difficult people <laughs> um that those were my favorite having the really difficult people that everyone hated those were the ones that I wanted because I would kill them with kindness and turn them into like really good clients afterwards <laughs> Um, but yeah, so you deal at the time it was payrolls dealing with everything from kind of one up to around a thousand employees. I mean, that's the real top end, just a couple of clients. Most of them were kind of between one to 500 employees. Um, and a lot of owner directors, um, a lot of people who really had very, uh, very low knowledge of payroll. And that's why they needed a bureau to help support them. Um, so yeah, I think that surprised me. And also just how, um, just how different it was, just how how much you learn. I thought I had quite a good baseline knowledge, but when you go into bureau payroll, it's completely different because you just get something different every day. And do you think that's your your bit of advice to anybody? Is it kill them with kindness? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Kill them with kindness and know your audience, match your match the tone, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. I think with some of the most difficult clients that have you know become some of them even you know, quite good friends in the end you know they've given me tickets to the football that kind of thing wow um, those those are people who just want to be listened to and respected and feel like you know they are you know that someone is is trying to help them really um or and, and confident sometimes you know fake it a little bit sometimes if you're actually quaking inside they need someone who who seems confident even if you don't feel it have you ever told somebody that they are rude? Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. Uh, yes. Yeah. And, you know, as a manager, because I, so I joined as a payroll administrator. I worked up to senior administrator and then I went part time for five years to do my degrees. So I did a degree in anthropology and then a master's in heritage practice, like completely outside of payroll. But they were um, kind of arts related degrees that I wanted to do. But I found they really helped me with the kind of customer relations side of things and, um, you know, customer behavior and just the management of a business, really, because there was a lot in there about managing. Um, 
and marketing and 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 client services and that kind of thing so i when i came back i became a people team manager and at that point you become so protective of your staff um and then yeah. operations manager and and then client services like all of those all of those roles you become really really protective of your staff and the brand and you start to understand um who is a client that's worth taking that from and who isn't um and and when is the right time to have a conversation with someone and tell them they're being really unprofessional because yeah you do have clients who can do that yeah i think that's like in every working day life sometimes isn't it you sometimes need to have take a step back and i think you know i can be a bit oversensitive sometimes and you know have to think i'll count to 10. <laughs> yeah well that's i'm not oversensitive i have a really really i have a really long thread <laughs> um, oh, really? i'm very patient and and i think i think that comes from working in hospitality actually as well so if someone's um made me feel like they've really crossed a line or um you know been inappropriate then they've really done something yeah, you know it's bad if they've gotten to <laughs> I was gonna say that because on your, um, I was looking on your LinkedIn profile. Uh, you, I love the bit that you've worked for Victoria and Albert Museum. I'd love to work somewhere like that. And yes. you've you've definitely got the artsy side, haven't you, of yes. your personality and historical. That's right. Yes. So when I did my degrees, I did um, that like they were research degrees, so I had to do dissertations at the end of them. So for one of my dissertations, I volunteered. Actually, we've just had Notting Hill Carnival here in the UK. Yeah. So for one of my dissertations, I, I volunteered as a research uh, or to do research. I volunteered as a costumer working with a Notting Hill Carnival mass band. So I would make the big kinetic costumes that you see on the parades, wow. um, which Very was really cool. fun. And it was so great because the bureau I was working with, they allowed me to go part time. I, to do my degrees but also to do voluntary work like that um so I was able to juggle my kind of three or four days a week with volunteering with studying um I wouldn't say it's the easiest thing to do I was no. a lot younger then and had a lot of energy didn't need a lot of sleep but it was it was great that because payroll is a fairly finite like when you've done a job you've done a job um I could match my clients to my times and I was able to have that conversation with clients because I'd had the same clients for a long time I could say to them look you can either have me three days a week or you can have someone else and they could choose whether to stay with me on my portfolio or to move over um and then again in my yeah for my master's I volunteered at the V&A Museum as um, an archivist working in there. So they have these big storage units with all of their um, the items that they might use in the museums. So I was in the performance archives. So they had like Adam Ant's costumes and David Bowie's wow. things and, um, you know, like the ballet costumes and music that had been written thousands of oh, hundreds of years ago, rather. So, yeah, I would work with usually these boxes would come in that had come from maybe someone who had passed away and they'd um, behested it to the museum. And my job was to take everything out, catalog it, research it, write it up, work out what it was, um, see if I could find any links to anything already in the museum. And that would help the curators to decide what to put into the museum. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, so it's a cool. really nice job. 
I know we've got here to talk about payroll, but that is definitely very interesting and fascinating. <laughs> I would love that. I would I would be such a geek. I would tell everybody that I've held David Bowie's trousers or something. You know, like that was <laughs> Absolutely. It well, would my be favorite... on Mel's LinkedIn profile. Also touched David Bowie's yeah. trousers. <laughs> my favorite thing is you've got to go and see all the exhibitions as um as a staff member. So you get to go at night when the museum was closed and it was just staff. So they had, I think, the Hollywood costume exhibition at that time. Yeah. So costumes from all the most famous films, and that was that was amazing. That and the Bowie exhibition were just my two favorites for sure. But you know what's really interesting, and it's fun hearing you talk about your appreciation for your position that allowed you the opportunity to do something so different yeah. and to give back to the arts and all of those kinds of things. I think it's something employers often like discount is what that does for employees when you give them time as far as their you know appreciation for their job their engagement with their position with the company I'm sure it made just a huge difference for you oh, and your happiness yes. there yeah you got to pursue me, something you were so passionate about absolutely like it made me um you know just so grateful and loyal, even more loyal than I was probably because I you know I felt like this was a real you know, this was different that a business was allowing me to do that and still allowing me to progress in my career as well because I went part time. But that didn't mean that I didn't progress, you know, as the business grew. When I joined, there were 13 and then, you know, the, the business grew and grew. By the time I left last year, there were kind of 45, I think, by that point. But the the business needed new management roles as it grew and the directors at the time couldn't do everything themselves or it, that it need it required new new kind of divisions or departments so there was always an opportunity for me when I got to the point where I felt like maybe I wasn't learning very much or wasn't being stretched very much there was always something new to do so I moved through payroll team manager to ops manager to business development and client services and then by the time I left I looked after the whole commercial side of the business so marketing sales implementations and client services um which you know it, I got to learn constantly but not just in payroll but it was I also got to use the things I'd studied in my degrees which was really nice and and then ultimately led to me having an offer to move to data plan which uh, has been the best year I've enjoyed it so much being able to work on kind of new different aspects of payroll that I wouldn't have had the opportunity to do at a smaller company um and yeah all of those things kind of fed into each other the you know the studying the volunteering and the and the payroll side of things it sounds like you really need to be challenged yes. all the time i yeah my my mind is going a million miles all the time <laughs> sometimes i'll be reading a book and looking at my phone and watching tv and my partner is just like what are you doing um, I, just, I need to be very like highly engaged all the time otherwise I just go a bit mad um, which isn't always I think a lot of people like that are in, it, like that in payroll um, and it isn't always the best thing it can be difficult to switch off um, definitely during the pandemic I think that was it was difficult it was a difficult time for everyone in in you know across the world obviously in payroll we were dealing with the furlough scheme here which is which was a very difficult process to administer because the government kept changing the rules every few weeks and I took the lead on that in the business that I worked in there and it was 
it was really difficult to switch off. You'd wake up in the middle of the night going, oh, my gosh, that change. Or, you know, because they kept releasing the changes on a Friday night. So I yeah. on a Friday night, I'd be sitting there on my phone working out what the changes were, what was going to be the new communication to the clients. And um, I think I really, yeah, I really struggled to come off that high level of engagement. It took me maybe, I think, I think about six months into us becoming, I guess, not, it wasn't completely back to normal last year, but I don't think I really got into a state where I could relax until maybe October, November, which is quite a while after the strictest regulations kind of dropped here. So, yeah. And I think I think that that was the craziest thing, wasn't it? Because we were talking to our colleague um, Anna in Spain, and the Spanish government would do exactly the same on a Friday. And her yeah. background was law, like so she trained in law, mm-hmm. and um, then she runs a payroll company. And she'd just say like, every Friday yeah. <laughs> in a Spanish accent. Well, actually, no, she speaks quite an English accent. But you know, every Friday, she's just like, you know, something else you have to look at. And I just think it must be purposeful, you know, that they, the governments around the world just send you know changes the legislation on a friday night because they thought actually they don't care they won't look at it on a a weekend but the reality was that all these payroll people and actually hr or whoever uh were spending their friday nights in a pandemic Uh, stressed out it's like the email that you send on your way out the door for vacation like major changes bink someone else will solve yeah i think it was that i think it was to give them 48 hours to allow us to make up our own theories before calling them or well no one was calling them of course but you know before trying to use any of their web chats or anything like that because um a lot of the times the government guidance would only give you some of the most basic examples of how to apply it and payroll is incredibly nuanced depending on the types of you know the way the workers are paid the industries and it they they couldn't cater for all of those different circumstances so a lot of the time you know we would get all the senior team together to look at different examples and try our best to work things out before you even engage with HMRC because you know they weren't really coping and they didn't really know the answers either so and I, th- I think I don't know uh, Tiffany if you'd heard anything similar, but I think that was a similar story all around the world. If I'm being honest, um, that you know every every government was having a a similar situation. My favourite one was uh, just before the pandemic. I was involved in a like a forum with HMRC and. They said, this is what we're going to do. And all the experts on the call said, I don't think it's a very good idea because this is this, this. And they just basically ignored it and went ahead. Yeah. So, yeah. It's like, you know, why, why have this forum? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, we gave them listen? a chance to be heard. <laughs> yeah. We'll be satisfied. No. But I think, I think that did happen everywhere. And I think, you know, it was just very prevalent that, you know, things were changing so quickly and, you know, it felt like kind of no one really knew what was going on. So there were things coming out all the time. But yeah. I can imagine that that would cause like you to be in anyone in your a similar position to be on high alert, like every Friday, like the colleague you talked about in Spain as well, Mel. Yeah. And I think it was even worse because no one had anything to do outside of their house. Right. So exactly. why would you just so, sit there and wait for something new to come from work because yeah. there was nothing new happening anywhere? Right, exactly. You know, we were a captive audience. 
Yeah, and I was just thinking about that. Two years ago, it was weird because you weren't even supposed to take your dog for a walk twice, were you? You know, it's just you're only supposed to take him out for a walk once. And I remember <laughs> taking the dogs out twice and the thinking, number of times you could take yeah. your dog for a walk. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like, am I am I going to get grasped on by other people in the village? But other people in the village were doing it as well. It was okay, <laughs> but you know, it was very much like quick, quick made eye contact. <laughs> I see you, and I saw you this morning. But let's just not set, let's not tell anyone. I know, I know, it's cra crazy. So um, I think, um, Katie, you're out there in the payroll world, you know, you're, you put stuff on LinkedIn and, you know, you're, you can see the marketing side, you know, the skills that you have. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you think that the payroll industry as a whole should do better? Or is there anything that sort of frustrates you a bit about the payroll industry? You just think, actually, we need to do this or that? I think... Um... One of the things that I found most useful in moving through into management roles was that we we got training that was outside of payroll. So it was things like coaching and um, we got these personality profiles. Um, and, you know, a lot of people that are best at payroll tend to be a certain personality type. And then a lot of people who are who you'd say were marketing or sales types of people will be a certain personality type you know they're the they're essentialized but they 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 are they're useful for working out how to you know how to have teams communicate better how to communicate with clients better that kind of thing um and i don't think that's something that's necessarily done everywhere but i i i found it really interesting and i found it really really useful for communicating with clients and communicating with teams because I was quite a different personality to the like this out of the box payroll person um you know my personality type said I was someone who didn't particularly like doing detailed work well 15 years of at the time when I did that 15 years of payroll you know doing payroll <laughs> accurately told me otherwise but you know I but I was someone that liked I mean kind of I guess I I like to be around people a lot. I like to talk to people, but I also really like my own quiet time. I have a real kind of yin yang aspect to me, um, which if you saw the social side, you wouldn't expect. And then when you see the quiet side, you again, you wouldn't expect the social side. Um, so with our teams, there were a lot of people that were really, really introverted and didn't like dealing with the client side of things. And for ages, they were being forced to deal with clients and that, you know, it's a kind of square peg round hole, I think. And I think that happens a lot in payroll. I think, you know, if you, you want people to be really great at the technical, uh, you know, accurate kind of quiet work side of things, but then you also in bureaus want them to be good with clients, which maybe just isn't a skill set people enjoy or want. Um, and I think it was quite interesting to, learn how to or how to look at that and then start to split that off a bit and go well actually if you want people to be great at this side of things let them be great at that side of things stop trying to make them do something they're not particularly good at and find people who are good at that bit um because payroll can be a kind of you must be good at everything sort of industry in bureau and i think more and more bureaus are figuring out that that isn't necessarily the best for the staff like even in terms of mental health there were people having breakdowns through the pandemic because they just couldn't deal with the client side of things and splitting that up made their day better made them better at their job 
made everyone function better, you know, made them better colleagues, that kind of thing. So I think um, one thing that, you know, will be or should be used more in kind of payroll training is that kind of psychological side of things of, you know, what makes um, a wealth, you know, high performing team function and what makes people better communicators and what helps people to do their jobs or have have a you know have their day better you know at the time I think that was quite different that we had that but I really appreciated it and you know have always really enjoyed it afterwards it's quite interesting to see how you change because you can do the same thing over and over and you can see um, you know which sides of you have become more dominant and yeah I think that's something that bureau should really embrace is is working out kind of um, best person for jobs and not necessarily expecting people to be good at everything I know it's difficult if it's a small smaller bureau but it can really have a big impact I think Tiffany have you have you done one of those assessment things you know your personality assessments I have often on throughout the years they're mm-hmm. always really fascinating to see um yeah and then you look back and you see like different pieces of you know I think about things I've been resistant to doing in various jobs. I'm like, oh, that's because I just <laughs> personality ways don't gravitate toward that type of work. Um, but it's really interesting. And even going back to your, the time that you spent at the museum, like you've been able to complement and like fill the bucket, right? Fill your creative kind of people bucket. Um, mm-hmm. And not only, you know, what you've done in your payroll daily job, but also in other things that you've done. Yeah, I definitely think I'm better at the um, at the technical and kind of more, I guess, process procedural sides of of the job. If I've also been able to stimulate my mind with the other sides of things, you know, the kind of not they're not soft skills. I I don't think <laughs> I think that's I don't like that 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 term for things. But you know the 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 communication, the content, the um, you know the coaching, the training, that kind of thing is I think something that I really need to be able to do to also be able to knuckle down and concentrate on processes and procedures and and accuracy and tech development and things like that. Yeah, for sure. Mel, have you done one? Well, I I have. Um, one thing that I've always been told, and I know I do it myself now, is I procrastinate 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 so I do try and think okay I don't really want to do this but I've just got to do it so just get it over and done with and then I feel so much better but I, I remember I worked for this really dodgy recruitment agency and my dad said you're not going to last long and I lasted six weeks but the guy <laughs> the guy kept on it, instead of making it into a positive thing because he wanted to be like the A or whatever it was you know like the I the influencer and everything else and he's like and you are down here I am up here and down here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I remember just sitting there going, "Okay, you're the boss," <laughs> and and just you know. But um, I do think the you know I do think there's some really good aspects of it, and I think it's got to be done by the right you know software or, or organization. But I yeah, I I, just, I think some of the things that I was told in my twenties still stick with me, and it's procrastination for sure. Or if you want to spin that on the positive side, operates well under pressure. Self-imposed pressure, but pressure nonetheless. That's me. Yeah. (laughs) And actually, I'll tell you what. I think pressure. You have that. 
um oh my god what is it is it um the hormone that you have um is it cortisol or cortisol yeah yeah and i think people were living with that for two years weren't they so maybe it's taken you that long because you had it for two years running around your body pretty much you know all the time and yeah you know it just took a, a few a while to actually come out it actually is that I actually even had it checked out because I, I, I couldn't oh. see if I was getting hives and stuff. Yeah, it was an overproduction of the stress hormone. Yeah, I had to do a lot of um, working out how to relax, which was a real struggle for me. I'm so used to going. So I, I think even like I feel like payroll becomes part of your body because you have a cycle for everything that every day you have deadlines every week you have deadlines every month you have deadlines every year so your body gets used to, you know I'm coming up to 20 years in payroll in October your body gets used to it and my body was going through a kind of I, I mean I processed my last full payroll last year July so uh, although I do trunk processing now that's is very different um and so I processed my last payroll in July in November, I was still, I would still get this sense of foreboding just before the time when it would get busiest, busiest. Um, and I would still freak out because I'd feel like I'd forgotten to do something because I hadn't processed a payroll, yeah. you know. So it, it really, it was like a detox. It was a, a deadline yeah. detox for me. Um, and I it's like the circadian rhythm, exactly, right? Yeah. But a payroll 100%. rhythm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to um, work really hard on reminding myself what I liked to do to relax and and you know trying to find them relaxing. Because even if you even if you think oh reading is relaxing, but if your your stress level is up here, you're forcing yourself to read. You're not really even taking it in. So um, I think I think a lot of the payroll world had a bit of a post-covid hangover to deal with um and you know the industry saw a huge amount of movement around as people you know decided to make a change um which seems to have settled down a little bit now i think um it's yeah. certainly not as crazy as it was or whether maybe that's just the summer lull <laughs> um but i yeah i i needed a change and it was a really it, it was uh, kind of like fate I think Mel you had something to do with this but um I <laughs> I just did a message landed in my inbox on LinkedIn and just when I was thinking I need a change uh, literally on the day and um I had a few chats and a role was created for me and and I, I love it um yeah. and you know as the time has gone on the market engagement side of things was to look at which sectors needed kind of support and growth and at data plan the education sector is just its own juggernaut it clearly didn't need my assistance there um but when it when we looked at other aspects you know the hospitality side of things that was one that i could really make quite a lot of impact um and so that's the one where i've kind of focused most of it and then you know with the iris acquisition back in october of data plan um that's that means that we've had more opportunities for growth as well and you know the the board have invested in in this in this small brand that we have trunk masters that's growing ever faster <laughs> and um and you know we've got a lot of really exciting developments coming up and so um i'm kind of switching my focus soon to just be focused on 
on that brand and, and growing that brand. Wow. So that that can give your creative juices some uh, some energy, can't it, to really start focusing on right, yeah. you know the payroll and, and being creative at the same time. Yes, yeah. So there's a lot that we have going on with the brand and what you were saying before, Mel, actually about the kind of doom and gloom in the UK papers about what, everything that's coming in the winter with the energy crisis and you know with um, you know just the finances for all businesses. When we look at hospitality, I get all of the hospitality media in my inbox every morning. Every single article is doom and gloom to the point where I think if I was a hospitality owner or operator right now, I wouldn't even want to get these emails anymore because every article is just horrendous. So we are actually working. So our marketing team here are fantastic. We're actually working on some on some content for the autumn and winter to help educate hospitality operators on this you know niche piece of legislation where they can make some savings and hopefully bring something a bit brighter to their inbox um so that's coming up over the coming weeks i think we all need it don't we because like you know tiffany in the states you've got you know i i I know this i shouldn't actually tell you this but i do look at the daily mail and i read the (laughs) us pages which i wish i really say but um everything you know even if you're in the us you've got all this bad stuff going on you know you put the tv on in the uk and oh just mental it does it feels like there's a lot of that everywhere and i think from a media perspective like that's the sensational things right and it's hard to remove yourself from that and katie i agree if i were in the industry i would go like opt out no more yeah. run my business and do the best job I can yeah. and, you know, try to, um, you know, persevere through any kind of downturn or, you know, hopefully temporary kind of hurdle that the, especially hospitality and other businesses in the UK, for example, are having to overcome right now, just mm-hmm. on the heels of the pandemic too, for an industry that was already so hard hit. Yeah, 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 right. A lot of them are kind of, um, this is now coming into a sort of dead zone for them the next couple of months because for them, for a lot of businesses, summer can be really busy and then you have this dead zone before party season starts. So now is a time to really shore up, find ways to make savings, do anything you can to put yourself in the best position so that you get to party season and then that's another opportunity to make um you know to make a lot more of their their turnover for those seasonal businesses anyway um Mm. so it's a it's a big time to be exploring options for them do you know i'm i'm a bit of a lover of richard branson and i know he's a billionaire and it's not because he's a billionaire (laughs) (laughs) that i like richard branson you like what you like um, it's fine (laughs) i know there's that thing that comedy sketch in the uk is like uh, what made you love the multi-millionaire blah 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 but anyway but no richard branson but if you i've read some of his um books and actually even though he he has you know made a lot of money he's also had some losses as well and uh, you know businesses haven't worked and one of the things that um he's always said in a recession or in a downturn is that you don't stop marketing you've got to keep out there and and keep pushing your brand because actually if you're pushing your brand and others stop then they're going to go people go to the brand that they see all the time and i I think that is such a true statement and and tiffany your background as well i don't know what you're you i'm fully supportive of continuing investment in marketing yes Yes. (laughs) indeed but it's true it's really true and it's 
you know, the, I think kind of Pennywise pound foolish decision, right? When you see businesses pull back on that is it's a temporary gain for a longer term, likely loss in traction, yeah. market share, all of those things. Yeah, it's very short-sighted, yeah. I remember so, in, during the pandemic, there were certain brands that really went crazy with their marketing, and those ones still stick in my head two years later. You know, there were some businesses here that were that kind of um, were big on kind of, you know, that like the home delivery kind of uh, pasta boxes and, you know, the luxury pasta kind of things or, um, you know, there were just loads of businesses that pivoted and did different things. And, uh, you know, some of them I'm still using now because they had a really good product. You know, things like our local, just a local uh, business around the corner started doing fruit and veg delivery, you know, the boxes, um, which was really great because I was never around during the day to go down there, but I wanted to use them instead of the supermarket. Um, so this way I could order everything on, on my phone and get the box delivered. Well, so we are coming towards our, the end of our podcast today, aren't we? Is there any other uh, questions, Tiffany, that you'd like to ask Katie? I don't think so. Katie, it's been fascinating learning about you and your history. I never imagined when we started the podcast that we just learned about costuming and the time <laughs> you spent working for the museum. But it's so fascinating. And I love to learn these like different things, um, you know, fellow payroll professionals do outside of the payroll world, because yeah. it's hard to believe we don't all just worry about payroll all the time. We have yeah. other things to do. <laughs> so it was great to hear all of that from you, Katie. Oh, my pleasure. And, and, it's so, and it's so lovely to see that you're passionate about both parts as well. You're as passionate about the uh, Albert, um, sorry, Victorian Albert Museum as you are as payroll. So it's both levels of passion there so it's really really nice to see so um thank you so much katie and i'm sure i will be seeing you soon yes indeed well thank you for having me the humans of payroll podcast is recorded in partnership with amedis amedis is the leader in consolidated global payroll solutions processing payroll in over 150 countries the Amedis platform provides a unified view of global payroll operations, real-time data analytics, and advanced reporting capability while ensuring legislative compliance and data security. Amedis's deep integration capabilities with HCM and finance providers dramatically simplifies multi-country payroll obligations.